0: Welcome to Arrows on Air, presented by Tomorrow's Air. I'm Christina Beckman, and this is a show where we meet artists, travelers, and scientists from all over the world to talk about art, travel, and climate action. Uh, so, Shannon Stoll, I'm so happy to have you back. We were just um, having a little chat that made me laugh, and I thought, let's have you back. And I think that. The- the, the topic we were sort of exploring um, before we started recording was, it, for me, what I was hearing in there was like, what it means to be, how it feels to be out of place or to feel really out of place. And so if you, and I think everyone can relate to that. And I also think in this um, moment that we're in, historically, it's important for all of us to get comfortable feeling out of place because what we need to do now for the world not only for climate but you know just for human healing is learn how to how to go new places and meet new people and build our build our capacity and so what i loved about your stories that i'm gonna, that you're going to share is that you kind of you you are very brave at going places with people that are not your usual. So, so set it up for us. You were at a at a tourism event, like a corporate tourism event. Well, Where were no, you? No, it
1: actually wasn't tourism at all. It was an economic event, and oh. it was uh, it was in New York City, and it was full of bankers, economists, hedge funds. How did
0: you come to be there, Adventure well, Travel so, Trade Association?
1: Yeah, so I don't know how they found me, but they were going to have a track on tourism, and so it was obviously very focused on the. The economy of tourism. And so they they signed me up as a speaker, I was all ready to go. And then about a, two weeks before the event, they contacted me and said, Hey, um, bad news, we canceled the tourism track. But um, as a consolation prize, we would be happy to have you join us and uh, as an attendee uh, for free. And normally people have to be invited, and it costs $5,000 per ticket. So um, at the time, we were still kind of building, get, building our chops for ATTA, and so I, I said yes and um, piled on some other meetings in New York. But I went to this event, and it, again, it was full of financial people, and I was so clearly out of place. I mean, I wore my best clothing that I had and probably still looked like a, uh, a person that came straight out of goodwill to them, to the people wearing the $5,000 suits. Um, so at first I was feeling a little intimidated and certainly out of place. And it started right from the beginning because I walked in to get my welcome package and, you know, the agenda. And they were handing out swag. And, you know, usually when you go to a, an event, you might get a water bottle or, you know, a bag or something like this. They were handing out iPads. I was like, <laughs> wow. And this is when iPad had just hit the street. So it was a very exciting and, uh, mm-hmm. so I got my, they handed me my box and I opened it up and, and the, the iPad case was empty. And so I went <laughs> back through the, through the line, feeling a little embarrassed and went to the front of the line. And I said, yeah, um, cause I could see everybody else get pulling their iPads out and turning them on. And so I said, yeah, right. um, there was no iPad in mine. And she goes, Oh, um, let me look, uh, what, what's your name? Let's see. Oh, no, you're on the you're on the list of people who don't get iPads.
0: <laughs> Shannon, it's just so so I can <laughs> I mean I can just feel this because I, I know that when like at our <laughs> events at the at the sustainable travel, adventure travel events, it's a very welcoming people in fleece vests and hiking right. boots. Right. And the energy is really like you know, We're all in this together. get to know you. We're all in this together. It's so, and it's become so, we've gotten so used to it. So I'm yeah. imagining this like dark suited crowd in a glossy atrium with a chandelier. Oh yeah. All right. So, yeah. so we know from the start then that you're, you're not on the preferred list. So then what no. happened?
1: No. And, and I was just going to point out that ATTA made a decision early on not to have VIP badges. That was, that is just mm-hmm. not who we are. That's anathema to us. And we treat everybody mm-hmm. fairly and equally as, as much as we can. And so it was so bizarre to be so clearly snubbed and in front of all these bankers. Mm-hmm. And so I walked away mm-hmm. with my tail between my legs. And I went to a couple of sessions. And it was interesting from a you know a grand economic view. Um, but mm-hmm. I ended up in this work workshop group. And I was at a table with 10 other people. And then there were roughly 10 Tables in the room, and it was a session run by some facilitator. And the guy uh, put the put the challenge forth to each table and said, "Imagine you're a multinational company, and your headquarters is treating all of the satellite offices in foreign destinations as sort of the um, to, to. And this is the word he used as the redheaded stepchild. And wow. um, and how do you get the headquarters to start respecting? and uh, respecting the businesses that are not under, you know, their immediate uh, control. And so mm-hmm. our, our, you know, again, our table's full of bankers and me. And we, we came up with our solution. And, um, and then the group decided to make me the presenter. And I said, I am the last person that should be the presenter. One of you should do this. I'm not even a financial mm-hmm. person. And they're like, no, nah, mm-hmm. no, nah, you'll do fine. And then they just started talking with each other. Like the decision was made mm-hmm. even against my will. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay. And then at that moment, it washed over me. I am never going to see anyone in this room again.
0: Uh-huh. So uh-huh.
1: I am just going to go for it. And, <laughs> and we were, I, this is so dramatic too, because we were the last ones to present. And literally everybody, all the nine tables before us, the spokesperson stood up and they had, a, they had the drawing and they showed what their plan was and how they would, you know, how they would address this problem. And it got to us. And honestly, I was a little weak-kneed because I decided to just go a little crazy with it. And I I didn't warn our table either. So I stood up. And and instead of showing our chart, I pointed at every one of the tables in the room. And I said, as CEO of the corporation, I am ordering all of you to stop treating our subsidiaries as though they're less important than we are. And so instead of presenting, I actually went after Uh the groups Uh in the room. And when I finished, I got a standing ovation. Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, and uh, and um, so, so. But that uh, is so
0: brave. You're such a thespian. I feel like I have, I have the weight of conviction and passion, and I don't know. Like I'm good at a table of ten. I'm not sure I would have seized that. Well, didn't. they handed the it to me. So I,
1: It's like, I'm going for it. But then,
0: but then you didn't just like run through your points. You like acted it out.
1: They acted it out. And then this guy comes up to me and he goes, That was awesome. And he goes, Do you know who you just pointed at and ordered around? And I said, No. And he goes, Carlos Slim. <laughs> 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 so the richest man in the world was sitting at the table next to me. And I pointed at him and told him he better behave.
0: Oh, my God. So, okay. So now this day just continues. So you've been in a workshop and then presumably you go mm -hmm. into a keynote.
1: And now I'm fired up because I don't care anymore because I realized I'm never going to see any of these people again. I'm going to say anything I want to. And so we go into the keynote and it's Rupert Murdoch. I mean, I think everybody knows who Rupert Murdoch is if you don't Google him. And he um, he was being interviewed by a CNN uh, a CNN personality, and he gets up there, and there's a subject I don't remember what the subject now was, but what I do remember is that he absolutely refused to stay on the subject. He used it as a bully pulpit to just bash anything he didn't like. He bashed the Obama administration. He bashed environmentalism. He he was an absolute arrogant jerk, and you could see the reporter was just. At her wit's end because she couldn't get him to answer anything, and so um, so it comes to the subject of Alaska and drilling in in uh, the National Wildlife Refuge, and he just said, and he brought it up. She didn't. He brought it up, and he said, "We didn't buy Alaska to, for the moose. Drill it, baby!" And the bankers in the room all started roaring with applause, and I decided to wow. go for a huge boo. So I stood up and booed him as loud as I could and realized that a guy at the table next to me was also booing. Him. There were like five or six of us in a room of five to 700 suits that mm. actually booed Murdoch. And um, it was so empowering. And anyway, I went over to the table and, and met the guy. And he was a young financier who had a conscience and, mm. um, and cared. And so we actually what became certain, friends.
0: What year was this? Can you remember what year this was?
1: This is probably 10 years ago, I'm guessing, maybe maybe a dozen, might have been a dozen because years ago.
0: It's just like, you, I can't fathom that situation on stage from even if behind closed doors, a, a CEO is behaving that way. Mm-hmm. There has been incredible movement around sustainability that now every, like that would never, that would just never happen today. I I feel when I sometimes feel hopeless, I mean, there has been a lot of progress. And I know some people will say, well, corporations are paying lip service, but they're not taking action. And I think in some cases that's true, but I think in many cases, it's actually not true. And I think a lot of um, companies are, I think we've sort of, uh, a lot of people around the world have maybe lost a little bit of faith in government institutions and we don't Mm -hmm. Trust all of that, and and we're looking more and more. We, uh, you know, this research around uh, values based consumers and people wanting to buy from brands who share their values. I think we're moving. There's a, a an ascendance of corporate um, responsibility. What we expect from companies, and right. they're stepping into that. I, it's such a that story just blows my mind.
1: Mm, yeah. I mean, look at Larry Fink's recent letter from, from BlackRock. They, mm-hmm. I think they're the largest uh, investment fund in the world, More, mm-hmm. you know, trillions of dollars that they manage. And he came out and said, well, in 2016 or 17, he came out to all of the companies that they invest in and said, if you're not doing something good for the world, expect to lose our support. And then mm-hmm. this year, he's, he has declared climate as their number one focus, which... You know, again, like you said, imagine the Rupert Murdochs of the world, you know, saying saying anything along those lines a decade ago, and it's it's impossible to imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the um I mean, and coming from where we come from, like this this sustainable travel niche that has for so long felt like tilting at windmills, you know, mm-hmm. that now it's true that the values our community holds our our mainstreaming. Mm-hmm. Like I feel, I feel so psyched about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's bad actors, and I know there's greenwashing, and and at the same time, there's also a lot of legitimate good afoot. Yes. It's a really exciting time to be in sustainable travel. I, I think there's one more anecdote that I just love if yes. you can you can you share the mistaken identity yeah. story <laughs> yes. uh,
1: I made a fool of myself so many times at that event i'm and I'm just so proud of it um, so, <laughs> so the the closing speaker, which is really interesting that they chose this this gentleman because it was a mismatch with the audience in my view, but Eli Weissel, who was the the Holocaust survivor who wrote night, the most chilling one of the mm. most chilling, uh, uh, stories to, to, to come out of that horrible, horrible history. And, um, and I, I had just read his book and I had a copy of it and I thought I'm going to get, I'm going to get his autograph. And so, but I didn't have the book with me. So I, I got a piece of paper and I figured I would tip it into the book. And so I, you know, I, w- I go to the session early for, for Eli and, um, There he is. There's a whole bunch of reporters standing around him, and uh, he's he's speaking. And finally, they all leave, and and there's nobody near him. And I'm like, this is my chance. So I went over to him and I said, "Hello, sir. I just wanted to say I'm such a big fan of your work, and I I was wondering if I could get your autograph." And he looked surprised, and he said, "Wow, no one has ever asked me for my autograph before. I'm going to (laughs) tell my kids; they're going to be so tickled."
0: And I thought,
1: I. I think I have the wrong guy. I mean, this was his session and he's not right. on stage yet. And, and then they, uh, so he, he grabs the the piece of paper and a pen and he signs it, Paul Wolfenson, He was the former head of the world bank. It's <laughs> so, so. He got the wrong guy.
0: Cause you didn't know what he looked like. And you no. go into the room and you see a bunch of people standing around a guy and you assume that's exactly. the important guy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, so I have, I have his uh, autograph and it may be the only one he ever gave, but it's mine.
0: Oh my god! You know <laughs> we need to put that in a special frame. Um, well, I won't keep you too long today. Thank you for um for another call. You know, do you ever listen to Sam Harris?
1: No, but this I've is heard, what gave me this idea. I so
0: I really enjoy um, making sense, which is Sam Harris's podcast, and he. Uh, periodically has ricky gervais the uh the comedian and they so they had one conversation and ricky gervais is very intellectual around Mm -hmm. around how he deconstructs comedy so they had one you know like long conversation and then and then ricky gervais has like called sam several times and so they keep having these follow-on conversations that's like another call from ricky Yet another call from Ricky, but the more it progresses, it just gets um, looser and looser. And I was, it, it came to my mind when we were chatting this morning because we recorded a podcast, and then we were having this chat, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to copy Sam Harris and do like another call from Shannon Stool." So I appreciate your um, being well, game. Well, I'm a long and way from being
1: as funny. Uh, I'm I'm a long way from being as funny as Ricky, but, um, I do love the, I love the parallel.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, have a great, uh, a great weekend and thank you for this.
1: Thank you.